This is Valley Views, our weekly conversation with influential and interesting folks from around the Wet Mountain Valley. Today on Valley Views, we're visiting with musician and instructor Annie Booth and also Camila Vititis, who are in town for the Jazz in the Songraves camp, which runs from July 20th through the 24th right here in Westcliff. Annie's been recognized in Westworld as the best in Denver for jazz, and both are part of Colorado Conservatory for Jazz Arts, which is a nonprofit reaching out to middle and high school students. Annie's discography includes Wanderlust, Festival, Abundance, and the Annie Booth Trio with Max Wellman. Annie and Camila, welcome to the program. Thank you for having us, Gary. Hi, thank you. So, Annie, let's find a little bit about you and your music. You're a jazz musician. Piano is your instrument. Jazz is wildly varied as a genre. How do you fit into the whole thing? That's a great question. Yeah, it is very, it's a very wide world. Um, that's one of my favorite things about it, in fact, is that there's all sorts of different subgenres and shades. Um, I am born and raised in Denver, Colorado, and I kind of got my start actually playing with the Colorado Conservatory for the Jazz Arts and being mentored by the many great faculty members there and all of Denver's finest musicians. So I'm definitely consider myself part of the the Denver um, style of jazz, but I'm really inspired by all sorts of music, by by chamber music, by classical music, by you know straight ahead jazz, modern jazz, big band music, singer songwriter music, a little bit of everything. I think kind of makes its way into the music that I love and that I write. Piano is your instrument of choice. Thinking of jazz, Oscar Peterson, Bill Evans, Keith Jarrett, Thelonious Monk, Herbie Hancock, Dave Brubeck, my personal favorite, Art Tatum. Ooh. Where were your early influences on the jazz side? Yeah, that was an amazing list. All, all of those <laughs> musicians are early influences. Dave Brubeck was one of the first piano players that I ever listened to as like a, um, an 11-year-old, and certainly Oscar Peterson and, and Bill Evans as well. Those were really the musicians that kind of made me fall in love with jazz. Uh, my dad is is a jazz lover and a musician, and so he always shared his record collections with me. A lot of his record collections were, you know, music from the early 70s, kind of his prime time years of being a musician. So a lot of Chick Corea was in, in his fusion projects were kind of my early entry. And, and then from there, like any jazz musician does, you just kind of get into the music, you, you fall into the current of it, and then you you do some research and kind of go back in time and, and find out who those people's influences were. And you kind of go in forward in time as well and find out what's going on right now, what kind of music is being created in this day and age. So it's been a kind of a cool trajectory from those early days, but still some of that music, I mean, Bill Evans, Oscar Peterson, Oscar Peterson and I have the same birthday. <laughs> so that's always, <laughs> I always buy myself a new Oscar Peterson record that I don't have on, on vinyl every birthday. I still love listening to those. Those are still like my bread and butter. So last month you performed with an 18-piece big band project at City Park Jazz. Is this akin to Glenn Miller, Tommy Dorsey in style or something different? It is, I would say, in in that, you know, very similar instrumentation. We got like the saxophone section, five saxes, four trombones, four trumpets, and then a rhythm section of piano, bass, guitar, and drums. But what I think maybe where where they're dissimilar is kind of the, the style of music that I write is very um, modern day and, and certainly inspired by all the great big band arrangements that have been done in the past, but um, my kind of my own spin on it. So, and I have a vocalist in the group as well who sometimes sings without 
singing words, so word, wordless vocals, which adds a really nice texture. Actually, Camila plays piano in the big band so that I can sometimes conduct the band and, and shape the music from that vantage point in front of the group. But um, it's just a project I started up two years ago, so it's still, I feel like, in its infancy, and it's such a challenging endeavor as a band leader to, you know, just even to manage 18 people's schedules. <laughs> what, are, what are the main challenges? certainly just like logistical like I was able to get the group together for a rehearsal but that took some work <laughs> you know to figure out everyone's schedules certainly you know as a band leader finding situations where it's going to be viable to do a big band and taking on that risk as a band leader and, and kind of knowing that it's worth it to get my music out there uh, City Park Jazz was a really amazing venue it's a venue that normally sees about anywhere between eight to 10,000 people every Sunday through the summer. One challenge we had this particular year um, that we did it was uh, it was a kind of a thunderstorm <laughs> in the middle of it. So we still had a really good turnout considering I think there was about 5,000 people there. And, but that was definitely a different challenge that I wasn't anticipating this year. So tell us a bit about the Colorado Conservatory for Jazz Arts, uh, which is the sponsoring organization here. How did that get involved with the jazz camp here in Westcliff? Yeah, so my understanding is uh, in 2001, uh, or it might have been 2000, 2000, 2001 in that era, the festival that was going on here in Westcliff, the Jazz and the Songrace Festival, reached out to Paul and Chris Romaine, who founded the organization, at that time had just founded the organization, and they really wanted to create an educational component for students who are learning jazz to be a part of the festival. So um, I think that first year they just had one combo of students, I think six or seven students who came down here to Westcliff and spent the week playing music together, performed at the festival, and, and also just got to be in close interaction with all the great artists who are part of the festival. And that continued on, and the, unfortunately the festival doesn't exist anymore. It hasn't maybe for 15 years or so, mm -hmm. but... Chris and Paul Romaine and the Colorado Conservatory for the Jazz Arts has kept the tradition alive and kept the camp going each and every July. And it's become a really, really special thing. I think all the high schoolers who do this program, myself included, I'm a, an alumna of the program, they look back at it and they, they see this week here in Westcliff as one of their most special memories from high school. So, Both of you were students in this program. Yeah, we were both at different times, but we both went through it. Both, I think, owe a lot to the organization and are grateful to be working for them mm -hmm. now. For many years, Barr and Brent helped out with this camp. This is the same camp, is that right? Yeah, totally. So we were, you know, we miss miss those guys a lot. They're a really integral part of the camp, and but I know they're doing really well out in the Northwest. Yeah, so it's the same exact camp. We used to do it over at the at the lodge uh, back when I was a high schooler, and, and they've always really been been great in assisting us and connecting us here with the community. And even during COVID, it happened last year. So yeah, I don't totally. think there's ever been a year off. No, we haven't taken any years off since. Who are the students? Uh, how many of them are there? How do they find their way into this program? Yeah, so typically we have anywhere between 35 and 50 students. Um, this year we have 38 students. That, that's a lot to ride herd over. Yeah, yeah totally. And um, so they're high schoolers, ages 14 to 18. And really they come from all over the state. We have students that are from Greeley, um, students from Colorado Springs, from Grand Junction, and then a lot of students from the Denver and Boulder metro areas. We also this year have two out-of-state students, an individual from 
Alabama and one from California. So some people find out about us from Googling jazz camps and, and they find out that we're in the beautiful Sangre de Cristos and they say, oh, wouldn't that be an amazing experience? Um, and then some people are part of kind of the organization, Colorado Conservatory for the Jazz Arts throughout the school year. So they participate in combos and workshops with us throughout the year. Is there a focus on certain instruments or anything goes? Yeah, well, basically anything goes. I think if someone was like, "Hey, I play jazz harp," you know, we would be we would be up for them. But um, so it's an audition auditioned camp. So it is a competitive camp. Students send auditions um, in the springtime, and we we listen through them. And so it is an advanced level camp, which is very exciting. And we have combos basically every jazz instrument: drums, bass, piano. We have vibraphone, all the horns, uh, saxophone, and trombone and trumpet. And for the community, they always look forward to a performance. There will be a performance this coming Saturday. Yep, that's correct. This coming Saturday, July 24th um, in Hermit Park, starting around noon and going till maybe just a little bit before 3 p.m. with some kind of intermissionary pieces in, in between, some breaks. So we'll be there. So it's totally open to the public. We would love for um, community members to come out, bring some camping chairs and picnic blankets and um, some snacks, and it, it's going to be great. That's great. And just to clarify, the reason that this is in Westcliff is because of the Jazz Festival. It was an outgrowth of that? That's its origin, for sure. It was an outgrowth of that. It was an educational component. Many many jazz festivals around the nation do this, where they have an educational component. So they bring some students from the community into the festival, and it just was such a meaningful experience. While the festival was going on, I can speak uh, from my from my own experience as a high schooler back in you know 2006, 2007 when I participated. It was such a great experience that even after the festival dissolved the camp just remained because it was just such, it became such a tradition for all the students and the faculty who were a part of it. We met the daughter of the folks who originally owned our home here in the Valley. And she said, you should know that Herbie Mann recorded his last album in your house. Now I could never <laughs> confirm that, but I know he was in the Valley. Uh, people of that stature were around. You know how it is. You get together, you meet some old friend, you, Hey, bring your instruments over. We'll, we'll run a tape. Oh, yeah. So I, uh, every once in a while, I, there's probably flute music in our house. I that, love that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you about one of your uh, new albums, Flowers of Evil, inspired by Le Fleur du Mont, by the uh, 19th century French poet Charles Baudelaire. How did that piece become the inspiration? When it came out in 1857, it caused a scandal. Absolutely. Yeah, it was censored. It was just totally like radical when it came out. So I studied French um, in college at the University of Colorado. I also studied music. And while I was just in my, you know, 19, I took 19th century French lit, 20th century French lit. And while I was in my 19th century class and, and really like digging into Baudelaire and analyzing it and deconstructing it as a class, I just was kind of struck by it and kind of fell in love with it. It's really beautifully dark poetry as as I always call it it's just it has that contrast between like just really beautiful words and imagery and illusions and then also just being kind of sometimes just straight up weird and dark and macabre um so at the time I, I started kind of just 
playing around with the idea of setting some of these songs to music, using them as lyrics, essentially. Um, that was 10 years ago, and in the years since, I've kind of had been working on it slowly but surely. I had the chance to go to Canada, to the Banff Center up there in Alberta, and work as a composer in residence for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And that's where I wrote the piece. That was a few years ago. I premiered it in 2018, and then just a few months ago, I, I made a uh, studio recording of it. So it's a, a really cool piece. It's got a soprano, uh, a vocalist, who's both classically trained and a jazz singer. And the music kind of lives in the, those two worlds. It's like, on one hand, it, it, it's definitely jazz. There's jazz improvisation. There's jazz instruments. But on the other hand, it's definitely um, inspired by chamber music. And it is, to me, in a lot of ways, chamber music with strings and with a, a classical vocalist. So I'm looking, working on it right now, working on the, the post-production and album art and all those kind of next steps and hoping to get it out um, in spring 22. I just selected eight poems that really spoke to me of all sorts of different types. Like I, I found, I think the most beautiful, most light poem that's about nature. And I also found the, the darkest, weirdest poem as well. So I've kind of broken down the piece um, into movements that have their own worlds that really that they, they inhabit. And I think the whole thing feels pretty cohesive. It has a lot of motion. Like you mentioned, it flows really nicely from one to another. It also features some of the musicians on it as improvisers because that was a really important aspect for me as the composer was to incorporate the individual voices of the artists that I'm working with. We'll look forward to that coming out. Yeah. When, when might that be available? I'm projecting for March 22, so hopefully I can stay on track with that. Okay. One more time. Tell us when and where for the jazz camp, uh, where you're meeting, what days, and also uh, when the concert is. Yeah, so the jazz camp um, begins uh, on Tuesday, the 20th of July, and, and the students will be working really hard, playing lots of music all week, um, and will perform on Saturday, July 24th, for the public at Hermit Park at noon. We'll be, we're really fortunate for the support of the community here, so we will be using the Custer County School for rehearsals, as well as the Hope Lutheran Church, which we've been really grateful to use for the past three years now, while the school was going under some renovations and it's just turned out to be a really wonderful venue. So we'll be at those two and kind of toggling back and forth. And we're also just excited to kind of be spending some time here and in town and, and in, in nature as well. You've chosen a good place. Yes. I can see that. Annie and Camilla, any final thoughts? We want to thank the, uh, the community here, the Wet Mountain Valley and Westcliff and everyone in Custer County for being such a huge part of this program. I think, you know, the fact that it's existed for 21 years and it's been such an important memory and an important uh, musical experience for these students, um, we really owe a lot to the community. So uh, we thank you. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. We've been visiting with Annie Booth and Camila Vititis of the Jazz in the Sangres camp. They are part of the Colorado Conservatory for Jazz Arts, who reach out to middle and high school students. They've got a concert this coming Saturday, Hermit Park at noon. My name's Gary, and we'll see you next time on Valley Views. You've been listening to Valley Views on KLZR 91.7 FM. Valley Views airs Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 a.m. and 4 p.m., and again on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Send your ideas and comments to comments at klzr.org. Valley Views is produced by the volunteers of KLZR 91.7 FM. I'm walking on a rainbow with my feet on solid ground. 